0: what is going on in the mysterious world of blockchain and the proliferation of so-called security tokens. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Executive Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is a Supply Chain Brain Podcast. With the rapid growth of blockchain technology has come the creation of the security token, which represents a whole new asset class for investors. As with any innovation in the financial sector, however, it's been accompanied by uncertainty and confusion. Just what is a security token anyway? How does it differ from the utility token, which also grew out of blockchain technology? How does it relate to cryptocurrencies, which gave birth to blockchain in the first place? And what is the attitude of the Securities and Exchange Commission toward these new instruments? Today we'll get some answers from Juan Hernandez, CEO and founder of Open Finance Network, an ATS, or Alternative Trading System, platform that claims to be the first of its kind to launch a regulated security token. He'll provide us with some key definitions toward an understanding of this fast-developing world of new investment opportunities and so-called smart securities. So here is my conversation with Juan Hernandez. Juan Hernandez, welcome to the show.
1: Hey there, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Juan, has the Securities and Exchange Commission clarified what it considers to be a security token?
1: So we have received guidance from the SEC and from FINRA, but, but there's still a lot of question marks there. So that's a, a bit of a yes, no answer. So there hasn't been over the last 12 to 18 months a series of documents and releases that the commission has done that serve to provide clarity on what is a security What is a digital asset that's not a security, et cetera, so that there's a lot of question marks that remain that I think will will be needed for the industry to feel truly comfortable and, and, and to strive for that next level of growth.
0: Could you help me to understand your own definition of what is a security token versus a utility token, which a number of issuers of tokens are claiming theirs are? Well, I
1: wouldn't say all, but I would say most of the tokens that you see out there are securities and not utility tokens. And so certainly some of the, the distinctions between a utility token and a security token typically fall into one of the Howey test prongs. And the big one that that seems to trip people up is, is simply the fact that if there's an expectation of profit um, in the initial participants investment into that project, then that's certainly one of the big triggers. right? And And a lot of the projects that are out there hit that one requirement or that one prong of the Howey test that then qualifies them as security. Now, there are some tokens out there that are like at the protocol layer that would qualify as non-securities. And so, for example, the SEC is given guidance that Bitcoin and Ethereum are not securities in their current state. So we have seen certain projects that, that would meet similar criteria, but for the most part, they do fall under security token
0: coverage. Bitcoin not a security token. Now, I thought another aspect of it was that it needed to be tradable or transferable. Is that not actually part of the language of what constitutes a security? The guidance that the
1: SEC gave on Bitcoin and Ethereum is that they were decentralized. And certainly, they provided guidance on their current state of Bitcoin and Ethereum. They did not opine on the status of what they considered Bitcoin and Ethereum when they first started. And so now, now we start to get into some of that grayness, as I mentioned earlier, that there's still a lot of clarity needed, but that there is a grayness that the regulators have identified of something could start as a security and then become so distributed and so decentralized that it is no longer a security. There's They have not provided enough details as to see what that threshold mark is, but instruments like Ethereum and Bitcoin, for example, have been deemed to not be securities in their current state.
0: On the other hand, I understand the SEC has shown kind of a dubious attitude towards some issuers who claim that their tokens are utility tokens, but the SEC is saying, uh uh-uh, uh, they're really security. So it kind of works both ways, doesn't it?
1: Right, exactly. I mean, certainly they, they've started taking action recently. We've seen some examples, for example, um, Airfox and Paragon Coin are two public cases that they've released material around and kind of shown to the public to illustrate examples of what they're deeming are securities when the project initially claimed they were utilities, utility tokens. And so there there is a healthy skepticism across the board as to when someone declares that they are a utility token. It's more often than not, I mean, a lot of these projects are done in a way that the, the intent is to raise capital for a project just at a high level. And so... When you have a scenario such as that when where then there's an expectation that the participants will receive some sort of future profit from their initial participation, then that 100% falls under a securities framework.
0: What is then the role of a security token platform such as that offered by Open Finance Network?
1: What we provide is a compliant registered trading platform for these securities. And so whereas certain utility tokens, for example, that the ones that live in this gray area, they, they trade on platforms such as Binance or Huobi or OKX, quote-unquote exchanges that aren't regulated in any typical fashion, any expected fashion. We provide a compliant, secure trading platform for the security tokens. And so we are... Regulated by the SEC and FINRA. We're domiciled in the United States. We can work with international investors as well as U.S. investors, obviously. But we provide a here compliant platform where these security tokens can transact and, and trade amongst these token investors.
0: But you don't consider yourself an exchange?
1: So we are registered as an ATS. That is an alternative trading system. That's how our license is set up and the SEC has provided guidance in order to be a registered trading platform for these digital securities that you need to be an ATS. An exchange is something akin to a NASDAQ or an IC. It's very similar to the ATS. But there's obviously a much higher threshold there and a much higher expectation around connectivity to other broker dealers, clearing houses, et cetera. And and to be quite honest with you, the industry simply is not there yet. There may be a future point in time when we would register as a full-blown exchange, but for now, the ATS license is sufficient for the type of trading
0: activity that we see in the market. You do host trading activity. You do see the exchange yes. of tokens and value, and yet you C- don't correct. call yourself an exchange. So it's, I'm still a little bit it, fuzzy on uh, on where that dr- line mean, yeah. is drawn between <laughs> well, what is a platform, what is an ATS, and what is a full-blown yep. exchange?
1: Welcome to the fun and exciting world of regulation, <laughs> uh, securities law and regulation. Yeah, Exchange, it's a reserve term for, obviously, uh, someone who has a full exchange license. And again, examples of that include NASDAQ, NICI, IEX, etc. Today, there are, to our knowledge, only three platforms like ours, including ourselves, that are set up to be able to provide exchange-like functionality with the ATS licenses.
0: What is then the relationship of a security token to the blockchain?
1: Let's start first with terminology. I mean, certainly a lot of people enjoy the term security token or tokenized securities, etc. We prefer to call them digital securities, right? It's still the same securities that most investors are, are familiar with, but, but they're in a new digital format. And that new digital format it lives on chain. So rather than the books and records for your shares being stored in some sort of central database, they're able to be stored on this distributed ledger mechanism that then brings with it a lot of benefits in terms of not having to be so reliant on intermediaries, not having to go through a lot of different uh, redundant layers to be able to transact or make changes to those records. And so the relationship between these security tokens and then blockchain is that these security tokens, which are digital securities, live on the blockchain system in a sense of their data and information is being recorded on this distributed ledger.
0: Okay, that's, uh, I think you're talking there about blockchains that serve the purpose of managing and, and recording transactions involving the tokens themselves. But the, as you know, there are many blockchains being introduced out there that are not specifically for the purpose of managing transactions of cryptocurrencies and, or tokens and the like. They're for other things like all kinds of business transactions such as those that occur within the supply chain. When that type of blockchain is set up, what then is the purpose or the need or the connection to a token of any kind?
1: Well, so the token is a is a representation mm-hmm. of the security's interest. A very simplified way to think about it is, is it almost serves as the stock certificate that were issued back in the paper days, if you will. But in this case, um, it, would be,
0: it would be shares in what? Stock in what? In today's r- nomenclature. What would that r- Right.
1: I mean – well, so, so that's the distinction, right? That these digital securities, at least today, they tie to underlying assets, right? So for example, you can have a real estate fund where the books and records live on chain. And so there, there would be a yeah. token around it and, and, and the tokens serve as the book and records mechanism. But, but you're right. I mean, the real estate itself doesn't live on blockchain, but the blockchain is used to record the ownership and the different aspects around the investor relation life cycle.
0: Well, let's take another example. If I get back to supply chain for a moment, where there have been some pilots of blockchains which have been established to track the provenance of product as it moves through the supply chain, of palm oil or something like that. Like when it changes hands, that transaction gets recorded supposedly on a right. blockchain. That's a physical asset that's being actually recorded. So, what I don't understand is what has a token got to do with that, if anything? Do you even need so, one? So the token then
1: becomes a representation of the interest, right? The fact that it's changed hands from one party to another, then the token also then changes hands. So it, it's used as a representation of the underlying instrument. And so that, that's today's current functionality. You know, the analogy I like to use today is kind of where we're going as an industry is we're, we're just moving from audio tapes to CDs right now. <laughs> and we're trying to get to streaming music but 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 first, we need to make this basic transition right of moving this information that is stored in the centralized format and, and putting it on this distributed ledger format that then enables a lot more innovation and activity on top of that so today, certainly there's a lot of limitations around how things can be done just yet, right? As I mentioned, there's additional guidance needed by the regulators in order to really firm up how some of the representation can occur. But at the end of the day, the representation on chain represents the books and records and the ownership data around the underlying asset
0: by the way, again, this confusion of nomenclature, we're being very careful to use the word token here. And I think you said you prefer digital security, but right. others have used the word coin, which is more of a metaphor than anything else because there's no physical coin involved. Right. And right. of course, the word currency. Do you want to stay away from the word currency or is that interchangeable to you with the word token?
1: No, no. Currency is very different. Like The way we think of certain things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, the, that qualifies as But other instruments like these digital securities don't don't qualify as currencies. And so they're they're very much securities, as I've indicated earlier. It does go back to terminology. There's still a lot of confusion over the different types of assets that can exist in this digital format, and that being currencies. Securities, like these security tokens that we're talking about, and then sort of that nebulous third category of utility tokens. What what is that? It's still unclear what they're being categorized as by the regulators and and, and by other governing bodies, but it certainly doesn't help to uh, demystify the space.
0: Now, it certainly seems clear, at least to me. I don't know if the extent anything about this seems clear to me, is that going forward on the cryptocurrency side, like Bitcoin, we cannot have an unlimited number of those. Most of those, if not some of them already, are going to die out just because there's no demand for them. it will be a glut of that. Right. Does the same hold true for tokens or can tokens just proliferate just like stock can proliferate? There, there's no end result where all of a sudden you said there's too much on the market, unlike the cryptocurrency situation. Is that different?
1: So, yes, yeah, so the digital securities can proliferate. Similar to, yes, there's any number of issuances that can be done on any given day.
0: And so the digital
1: securities themselves can continue to proliferate in a way that so long as obviously there's an underlying asset or some kind of underlying value tied to these digital securities, then that's what the data then represents on-chain.
0: Now, I've heard it said, and maybe even you said this, I don't know, that the blockchain-based security token is the so-called missing variable in launching a new era of smart securities. Could you explain what that means?
1: Sure. As mentioned, the analogy earlier of us moving from audio tapes to uh, CDs,
0: that's where we're at
1: today as an industry, right? We're still just kind of doing a direct port of how we record data offline and then how we're choosing to record the data now on the blockchain and and using that as a representation of the books and records. But that doesn't really get us to the promised land, if you will, to, to the place where we can unlock these types of instruments that we like to call smart securities. And so. Smart securities for us are when you can initiate, for example, distributions automatically, you know, entirely done at the smart contract layer, right? Where there's not necessarily a need for manual intervention or the need for someone to sort of designate that there's an approval or an authorization in that sense. And So it will open up an era where... There are new types of instruments being created. For example, hedge funds where like, the distributions can be done automatically when certain performance thresholds are hit. And we think that's something that could really change the landscape and create new types of instruments that the general investing public can then participate in and really open up these types of new opportunities for the general audience.
0: Is regulation playing catch up with this innovation in the same manner that it had to play catch up with the creation of hedge funds and a lot of collateralized debt obligations and all that weird stuff that came out a decade or so ago?
1: Yeah, the the pace of technology has moved very quickly in this market. So there is a little bit of catch up There's a lot of education occurring today still at at the regulatory level, certain aspects around public, private keys, what it means to actually hold a digital asset.
0: Or to lose the key and not have access anymore. Right,
1: yeah. And and gaining a sense of confidence and assurance around how these types of instruments actually work. Right, Certainly the notion of an immutable record done on chain certainly is still a new concept to many. So there is a bit of catch-up occurring today, but I'm confident that, From what we're seeing out there on the landscape, a lot of the concepts are being understood and and there's a lot of general sense of understanding around how this new on-chain capital markets can function like the off-chain capital markets. So you can apply the same regulations to these new innovative markets in a way that then allows them to thrive and grow.
0: Unfortunately, it always seems, or at least a lot of times, it seems that when regulation does lag innovations in capital markets, somebody gets hurt. Before the regulations get codified, we've yeah. certainly seen that in the past. People get burned. Is there the uh, is there something that we should be careful about getting into here until some of these definitions and and regulations are better clarified?
1: Certainly. I mean, there have been a lot of exploits done to date. I mean, when certain participants look to take advantage of, of perhaps unknowledgeable investors, it always leads to black eyes for the industry, where you see people run off with the funds from their investors and not deliver any sort of product or service in return. It's still early days and, and certainly it's not mainstream yet in the sense of, you know, I don't expect a retiree down in Florida to say, you know what, I'm going to participate in this latest tokenized offering. But we're just not there as an industry and that's many years away. And that's a good thing in a sense of gives us as an industry time to codify and really clean up a lot of the landscape and be able to better present it to the general mainstream audience in a way that they can feel confident in. Because you're right, I mean today I would think if if given the opportunity and they had kind of understood how to participate in one of these offerings, I think a lot of people would be very hesitant to do so, just given news headlines that they've seen in the past.
0: Just going forward with your own platform, at the moment, are you involved in a single security token or or multiple? And, And where do you expect to go with this?
1: So today we list four digital securities on the platform, and we have a pipeline of, of several more that are scheduled to be listed in the coming weeks and months. So these are instruments like, for example, Blockchain Capital. They're a, a tokenized venture capital fund. So It's a venture capital firm out of San Francisco that obviously, as their name implies, invests heavily into the blockchain space. And, and last year they did, a, or the prior year rather, they did a tokenized offering of one of their latest funds. It's an opportunity then for regular average Joe type investors to be able to participate in a San Francisco Silicon Valley venture capital fund, right? Which is typically unprecedented. You would never be able to gain access to a name brand silicon yeah, valley venture capital it, fund. Yeah. Right, I mean you'd have minimums that are akin to $250,000 at minimum and you'd have to know someone within that network to be able to participate. And so what they've done is really opened it up to a broader audience where now someone from the EU could participate for, for a much, much lower dollar amount and, and gain access to this type of investment offerings. That's some of the big areas of opportunity that are opening up that this wave of access, transparency, and flexibility that's entering the market. So access to these opportunities that, that typically most investors don't have availability to, transparency around how the offering is being conducted and how the asset itself is, is operating and, and how it's performing over the life cycle of the fund itself. And then flexibility in the form of liquidity. So typically in a venture capital fund, you might have to wait seven to 10 years before you can seek any kind of liquidity. But with this new digitized format, that option becomes readily available. So someone after a year could simply come to our platform and and explore that option and see where the market's at at that point in time.
0: Okay. I I think I'm just beginning to understand this world <laughs> of security tokens and blockchain and your and platforms and the like. Juan Hernandez, I want to thank you so much for contributing to that little glimmer of understanding on my part, <laughs> and uh, we'll certainly be following with interest how this all goes in, in years to come. But thank you so much for being on the show. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Bob. I, I appreciate you having us on.
0: That was my conversation with Juan Hernandez of Open Finance Network, talking about the world of blockchain and security tokens. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at scbrain. You also download or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.